Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for, for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh the link in the description so uh go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on the spot sports i'm jack and in today's episode we are joined by a former prof- professional hockey player and current co-host for the hockey think tank podcast with his other co-host being good friend of the show jeff lavecchio he's tofer is also uh he's a former professional or former ncaa coach with university of miami ohio and cornell university Topher is also a former professional hockey player who spent seasons in the East Coast Hockey League and the CHL. He also spent time in the NCAA with Cornell University as well and has spent a few seasons in the USHL. Welcome to the show, Topher Scott. Topher, how are you? I'm good, Jack. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited for this. Yeah, no problem. Um, it's good to get you on. So let's let's get this thing started by like giving the viewers a little background information on yourself, like when you started playing hockey, like why you started, like what, what's life with you now coaching youth hockey right now? It's like, what's going on with everything around there? Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I I was kind of born into hockey. I think like my mom and dad tell me when, uh, when I was born, my grandparents had hockey skates for me already at the hospital. So, (laughs) um, my mom's side of the family all played hockey. My dad played hockey. Uh, it was just kind of something that uh, just was born into, I guess. And uh, luckily, I, I had uh, you know great parents and great family, and um, just kind of fell in love with the game uh, in Chicago is where I grew up. And yeah, now uh, I mean, the journey's taken me a lot of different places, and I've met a lot of great people and, and learned a lot of a lot of great things throughout the way. But uh, yeah, now I'm a, a hockey director up in upstate New York around the Syracuse area, and so. Um, taking a lot of those experiences that I've had and, and tried to impart them into the kids around this area. And, and uh, it's been going pretty well so far, aside from this whole COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. Besides, besides COVID, obviously, but like, how, how is everything with COVID? And like, 
like how different is it is to direct be directing youth hockey right now it's it's a challenge for sure you know it's uh it's something that i don't think any of us really prepared for <laughs> when it came so i think a lot of it it's it's been good in the sense that it's been a challenge and and you learn a lot especially me being my first year in, in doing this you've had to really think outside the box and get creative in in solving problems you know we've had to do uh, a couple different schedules based on the amount of <clears throat> based on the amount of people we can have on the ice at a certain time and and uh, um, just try you know we're not around the rink as much just because we can't have that many people in the rink at a time so um, it's been a challenge for sure it hasn't been easy but at the same time it's been a really good learning experience to try and um, try and just think a little bit differently yeah for sure it's like what have you guys been doing like like since there's limited amounts of people like on the ice like what have you guys been doing like directing all that uh yeah i mean it's been tough because i think the hardest thing has been just trying to make a schedule because typically we have a lot of teams that would share ice and now we can only have 25 people on the ice at a time so we can't really split ice because there's too many people out there so we've had to get really creative to try and find spots and we have to be creative too with budgets and everything as well um just because people paid for a certain amount and uh there's a certain amount of ice that gets allotted and it's just all a, a puzzle that you're trying to trying to uh put together and everything and and it's been good like we've got a good group of parents and and a good leadership group here that's um really put our heads together to try and figure it out we haven't had too many issues um, with COVID and, and I mean, just with youth hockey in general, there's always typically issues that are going on and it's hard to please everybody with the decisions that you make. But at the same time, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. So like, how's the transition been from being an NCAA coach to being a now, now directors? Like what were some of the changes you had to go through with that? And like, do you carry on like some of the things you learned from coaching on a directing to direct like the youth hockey in New York? Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest thing that's very similar is that it's all about people. I think, uh, you know, you no matter where you are when you're, when you're uh, in a leadership position or you're just working on any type of team, whether it's with hockey, business, family, whatever, I mean, it's always about people and it's about the way that you treat people and communicate. And um, the more you can invest your time and, and effort into those things, I think the better off you're, you're going to be. So from that sense, it's, it's similar. It's, it's funny because I tell people this all the time, like coaching NCAA Division One hockey was easier than being a youth hockey director, <laughs> which is like very, very weird to say, but there's so many more dynamics that come with being a hockey director when you're dealing with, uh, you know, hundreds of kids rather than just, you know, the 2025 that you have aside from the kids that you're trying to recruit. Um, you know, you're dealing with parents, you're dealing with ice time, you're dealing with so many different things that come with it. And it's all learning experience coming into it. That I didn't really know what to expect, but now that I'm a half a year in, especially with COVID when everything is so much on the fly, um, it's been a good learning experience trying to figure it all out, but it certainly hasn't been easy. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Definitely gets you uh, involved quick, and and, yeah. and it's it's crazy to think what the past year has been like with COVID and all that coming into play. But that must have really sped up the process of you getting used to to being a director now and just having to go on the fly whenever whenever something something else throws gets thrown your way. 
Yeah, rolling with the punches. That's one of the biggest things we keep saying all the time. Just roll with it, and things. we just have to understand that things are going to change. Um, and typically, they haven't changed for the better yet. You know, it's, it's always more restrictions, more protocols, just with spikes and, and different stuff like that. And it's tough, too, because you feel for the kids. You know, the kids, they want to play games, and they want to have some sense of normalcy. And so you try to do everything that you can within the protocols that you're given by the state and local governments and, and by USA Hockey and everything like that. Um, so you just, again, do the best that you can to, to try and give these kids as best of an experience that they can and, uh, and just kind of go from there. Yeah. That that's all you can do at this point. Just, just roll with punches. Like you said, I want to, I want to take, I want to take you back to some, like some of the lessons that you learned throughout like your playing career. to like, for like every, every, for everyone to get out of. So like you start out in Chicago with uh, the Chicago steel and the USHL. So like, what was, what was Chicago Steel Hockey like back in, uh, what was it, 2001, I believe you started it, it said, right? Yeah, something around there probably. It was a long time ago now. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, hockey was different. Junior hockey was different back in, the, in that day. Uh, you know, I still remember my first couple years in the league, uh, the older players didn't even have to wear visors. So it was just kind of like you were playing in the NHL because they were just no face shield. So you just get in there and it was kind of crazy. I think the biggest thing that I learned uh, coming out of, of junior hockey and, and uh, I, I've always said that the hardest transition for any kid to any different level is from youth hockey to junior hockey. I think the transition from junior hockey to college and then the transition from college hockey to pro, you know, those were difficult because you have to learn different things, but the, the transition from youth hockey, midget hockey to, you know, to junior hockey was big, you know, now you're playing 60 games against people that are much older than you and, and just as talented and, and more talented than you. And it's a grind you're on the bus. And it really, what I like to say is it kind of makes a man out of you. And so that, that's a learning experience. You hit a lot of ups, you hit a lot, a lot of downs. And, and I think one of the biggest things that I like to tell the kids that are kind of going through that is number one, the, you know, the tough times are good. The tough times are good. They may not seem like it's good at the time, but you're learning something from it. And if you have a mindset of like, Hey, this is a challenge, something I got to get through, you're going to come out with a learning experience and better at the end of it. And then the other thing is just make sure you're surrounding yourself with good people. Um, if you surround yourself with people that enable you to have a poor me attitude. If you surround yourself with people that are just telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear, you're not going to get better and you're not going to have as good of an experience as, as you'd like. So have people around you that care about you that are going to be honest with you and uh, it'll make all the difference in the world. I'm very lucky that I had people around me that, that, uh, that had those things for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think just surrounding yourself with good people is a huge is a huge factor because like, like, I, like when I was younger, like a lot of people were like, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. But like now, like I got, I got rid of those people and just like to with, stick with the good people, the like supportive people and like, like parents, like family, like friends, all of them. It, and they really do help you, especially if you have like a bad game or something like they're there to support you and like they'll, they're they there to help bring you up when you're down. So I think that's definitely a huge thing. And the, in the sports world, in the hockey world, it's just having, having those good people around you, like you said. 
Yeah, and it's not even necessarily just in the bad times too. I think you need to have good people that are going to challenge you when your head gets a little big when things are going well because <laughs> it's just human nature. When things are going well, we get a little complacent and you know feel like we're, we're pretty good. And then that's why it's, it's good to have you know, some people that challenge you too that say, hey, like you got these good things because you worked really hard and don't stop working now that things are starting to go your way because they can just as easily fall back to, you know, the tougher times. So I think it's good to have that balance of people. Again, it's just people that are going to be honest with you, right? Like the ones that are going to tell you exactly how they feel and, and uh, aren't afraid to give you their opinion. And, and uh, I think it's just really important to have people around you like that. Yeah, absolutely. So like your first season in, in the USHL, you put up five goals and seven assists. So like, what was that biggest learning curve through, through like getting like the points to, uh, through your years in the USHL and that you had to adjust to help, help yourself in the long run, put up more points, even the following years? Um, I, I think a big part of it is just, you know, when you're playing youth hockey, when you're, you know, blessed with some talent and some things that God gave you, which I feel like I was, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was to to get points was a lot easier. I think every level you go up, it it's a lot harder to, to produce offense and produce points, especially for myself, who's a smaller player. Um, You know, I got pushed around and, and uh, I I got physically out battled and, and the players that I was playing against were just as smart, if not smarter than I was. So, you, you know, typically I can, think my way around the rink and now I had to find different ways to to be successful as a player and and that's why that um that jump to junior hockey is is so difficult for so many people is just because it's it's used to being the reason why you're playing junior hockey is because you were probably one of the best players on your midget team or your prep school team or whatever and and now you're not so now you got to earn it more rather than your your talent being the reason why you're getting nice time and points and offense now now you got to use a little bit more grit you got to use a little bit more um you know just things that you have to learn how to use (laughs) that you didn't have to back in the day so uh, i think just it's just a different game and it's a lot harder and so um just gotta you know you got to adapt your game and 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 go from there yeah, exactly. And that's what you did because the following year you put up 27 points, 13 points, and then 52 points You're with your last year being huge with getting 52 points in 60 games. Did you do like anything off the ice to help you get stronger and get better, even though because you were that smaller guy, you had to work a lot harder and work to get get up to like the guys that are bigger than you and stronger than you? Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is, is every year that I played and I played four years in the USHL was just a long time. Um, my first year that I played, I was 15, which was, you know, looking back at it now way too young. Should never have done that, but you know, you live and you learn. Um, I, I think every year you play, you learn something more. I think experience is a, is a huge benefactor for anybody that wants to play junior hockey um, because every year you feel a little bit more comfortable every year, you know, you know, the arenas that you're playing in and and you just, you you know, the lifestyle, which is so much different. My third year, actually first game of the season, I tore my ACL. So I missed most of the season. And uh, you know, so that's why, you know, went from however many points my first year, you know, had a big jump my second year and then boom, like, 
done for most of the year, that third year. So I think that year was big for me just in terms of learning a lot about the mental side of hockey because I'm a big believer that nothing great ever comes without some crappiness and some adversity. And so that year was, was big for me in that. And so I had to have a mindset to just stay positive and stay with the course and just focus on the things that I can control. And, and I feel like that tough experience really allowed me to grow as a, as a person um, outside of hockey. And I learned a lot about myself and that was able to carry me with, carry with me throughout the rest of my career. And I was just really hungry that next year. I missed playing. I didn't get to play the game that I love for five months. And, uh, and so I just learned to miss the game. And, and when I came back that next year, it was just, I was on a mission to, to do the best that I can. Yeah. So going back to that third year, like, that with missing five weeks for five months of the season it must have been like really hard. Like you said, you're missing the game. So like, how, what do you do to like help yourself, help yourself stay positive? Cause you could just, you could tell yourself to stay positive, but with everything like going on, like it's sometimes really hard to stay positive, even though you want to. So like, what did you do to help keep your mindset in check and just help, help yourself recover and recover from that injury and get back on the ice as soon as you could. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to j- just the, the support system that you have. I have fantastic parents um, that didn't allow me to feel sorry for myself. You know, it was, hey, what can we learn from this? What can we do? What can we take out of a positive out of this situation? Um, I had great teammates that year. Uh, one of my, just an absolutely crazy story, one of my best friends growing up uh, playing hockey tours ACL in the exact same game that I did like five minutes before I did, if you can believe that just Dang. absolutely crazy. So I had literally somebody that I was going through this together with from the surgery to the rehab, you know, just like texting each other and, and calling each other. Hey, how are things going? It was also kind of competitive because we both wanted to get back and play. And, and, you know, we obviously came back on the same weekend because neither of us would are going to let each other <laughs> come back before the other one. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just had a great support system. The, the woman who was my physical therapist at the time doing all my rehab, you know, she didn't let me feel sorry for myself. She pushed me past my limits. Um, so it's just a lot of really good people that, that helped me to get back and without them, it, it would have never happened that way. Yeah, for sure. It's great that you, that you had that support system. You were able to, no one felt, no one felt sorry for you, for yourself and you just had to keep pushing and keep working. But like, what was what do you think was the hardest part about about like the about uh getting injured and like having to go through that recovery process? Uh Fridays and Saturday nights when my teammates were in the locker room and getting ready to go and I was in the back room doing rehab and you know you're hearing them talk about the game and then all of a sudden they're going out for warm-ups and you know you you get your your suit on and you go up and you watch. Watching hockey that year sucked. It, it absolutely sucked. Uh, you learn from it. You learn a lot from being up top, but there were certainly times when I was like, you know, especially our team wasn't doing so well at the time too. So you feel like, you know, not really you let them down because it wasn't really your fault that you got hurt, but you, you wish you could be out there to help the team and stuff. So I just think that not being in that battle with, with your teammates and, and having to watch hockey, that was, that was the toughest part for sure. Yeah. I, I would, I would think that that would be the toughest part, but you, you obviously probably learn a lot from there too. And just just seeing the guys on the ice, you could like pick out stuff from like what they're doing. Maybe tell them if you see if you saw something, saw them do something wrong, and just help them out, help them out as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a good group of guys for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say I, I would like try and coach them or tell them what they were doing or anything like that because I didn't really feel like I had a place to do that. I'm not in the heat of the battle like they are. Um, it's very easy to, to watch a game and, and critique people when you're not in the heat of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, uh, it was tough. It was tough not being able to not be around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then after you finished your career in juniors with the seal, you then went to college hockey and played division one hockey with Cornell university. So like what made Cornell so special to you that you picked, uh, to play hockey there and to uh, attend school for Cornell? Um, I think there's a couple different things. I think when you're going through the recruiting process, there's obviously things that you look for in a school, you know, things that you want to have as a part of your experience. And for me, Cornell kind of checked all those boxes. Uh, I I wanted to go to a school that had really good academics. Education was always something that was important to my family. And, uh, and so, you know, Cornell being an Ivy league school was, was something that, uh, was, was, you know, really cool to, to be able to do. Uh, I wanted to go to a school that hockey was important. Uh, I didn't want to go to a school that hockey was like the, the ninth, <laughs> the ninth most important sport or, it, you know, nobody really cared about it in Cornell. They sell out every home game and um, it's a big deal on campus. It's the, the hottest ticket in town, all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. And then the last thing was, you know, I, I, I don't like to lose. I, I could not go to a college program um, that didn't have a history or didn't have a, what looked like a future of being able to win. And so I took a couple of visits to some fantastic schools that just, they, they weren't very good. <laughs> so I was like, I can't be a part of that. I don't want to lose for four years. And Cornell, the year that I was being recruited was the year that they went to the frozen four. And so I was like, man, that would be fantastic to go to a school that has a chance to win a national championship every year. So um, yeah, for me, and then just like the coaching staff, I got to know the players when I went on my visit, it just, it just seemed like a real, a real good fit and uh, was, uh, was a very good decision. <laughs> to go there yeah absolutely it's like what were some of your expectations going into your first year of college hockey and how how they matched up against what your expectations were versus how they actually went you know what I don't I don't really know if I had many expectations I think you always go in thinking you're going to be a big part of the team and, and have a role and and you know throughout the recruiting process the coaches tell you hey you know we we see you in this spot or you know, whatever. And, and, uh, I came in and, and was able to play right away, which was fantastic. And, uh, was able to play on the power play in my freshman year. And we actually had the number one power play in the country that year, not really having to do with me. We had some fantastic other players like Matt Molson and, and Byron bits and, and, uh, and, and that. And so, you know, it was just, uh, I didn't really know what to expect again, the, because the USHL is such a great league, and there's so many talented players that are going on to play in division one, like it really prepares you for college hockey. So the jump isn't necessarily as, as big, um, you know? So, and, and I think one of the other things is like, you talk about a culture, like the players in our locker room at Cornell were unbelievable. Like I felt like I was a part of the team and a part of the group on day, literally day one showing up to campus. There were five guys on the team that were waiting at the dorms for me. Um, they took all of my, my furniture, all of my clothes, all my suitcases up. They unpacked me. I literally didn't touch a bag or a box or anything like that done in 10 minutes. See you later, mom and dad. I'm going with the guys and we're going to hang out. And, uh, 
So I think they, the group and the culture and the guys, they made it really easy for all of us freshmen to, to really feel like a part of it. So the transition really wasn't that, that, that difficult. Yeah. That's awesome that you had, you you seemed like you're right with the guys, like right, right away and like made you feel comfortable right, right then and there. So that was a huge, that must be a huge confidence builder in yourself and just like going to a new, new college and then just hanging with these guys right away. It must've been like, okay, uh, like this is college. Like I, I can do this. So like going, going into uh, throughout like all your college years, like you were really involved with scoring and setting up plays and getting points. So like, what was the hardest thing about, about your, about the game that you had to learn from the college aspect to like fighting guys off to get to the dirty areas or set up plays? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't, I think, you know, college hockey, every game is important. You only play 35 some odd games. And so every game is, is really important. And it's like the freaking Stanley cup, you know, because, you know, I know for, for myself a couple of years, maybe not a couple of years, maybe it was just one year, but it might've been a couple of years, you know, we didn't make the NCAA tournament and it was because we missed by like a game. Had we won one other game, we would have been in. And, uh, and, and so that, it, it just, every game is, is extremely important. So everything's on the line. Everybody's working really hard. And so you really have to battle to, to you know, produce offense and, and to win. So I think that was the biggest adjustment. You know, everybody's, and the same thing, college hockey, everybody's big and everybody's strong. And you only play a certain amount of games, so you get so much time in the weight room and, and – uh, so it's just a, it's a difficult game to you know to be to be a part of and uh, but also at the same time you know you got to learn how to play it a, a different type of style and and uh, so it's a great learning experience to grow as a player too. Yeah, absolutely. And then like going into like your junior year, you were also named an assistant captain for the team before getting named captain your senior year. It's like how important was leadership for you right from the start, right from like your freshman year? Like obviously those those guys that helped you showed leadership and that they're there to help you. It's so like, what did you learn a lot from, from over your time in the two years before you were named assistant captain with like how to be a leader and within the locker room within on the ice, like what was that experience with being a leader on the team? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the captains and not even necessarily just the captains, but like the, the older players, the, the seniors and the juniors, when I came in, like, I, I honestly could not I have expected anything better. Like they were unbelievable, like unbelievable leaders, unbelievable captains. And then, so you try and take some stuff that you learn from them and, and use it yourself when you get to be a junior and a senior. And, um, and so I made mistakes as a, as a leader, as a captain, I think we all do. It's a learning experience. Um, but at the end of the day, like he, for me, I just kind of wanted to lead by example. And I always wanted to and needed to be the hardest worker because of my size. And, and so tried to lead by example. I think, you know, where I erred is some, sometimes I was maybe a little bit too vocal rather than just leading by example. And, and you kind of figure out how to be your best self as a leader as you go through it. Um, so yeah, leadership, extremely important. And then getting into coaching, you really understand how important player leadership is um, when it comes to the success of your team. So uh, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to learn from some awesome, awesome captains and, and leaders. There's honestly too many to name, 
uh, all of them. Um, but it's a huge part of, of being able to win at the higher levels for sure. Yeah, for sure. And so it's, it's, it's awesome seeing like all these like captains and like anyone on the ice. Cause it doesn't, you don't have to have a letter to be an example on the ice and just show just be there for your teammates. So it's just, it's huge that like you're able to just lead by example and like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like if you do that, like the team morale and the team chemistry is going to go up, go up a ton. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it all goes back to the people in the locker room. If you've got a good group of guys in the locker room that buy in and care about each other and love each other. You're 50 steps ahead of the teams that don't, doesn't matter how talented you are. Yeah, exactly. So then after your senior year of college, you decided to play professional hockey. So where you signed a deal with the Elmira Jackals of the ECHL and you played seven games there. And so like, what was your experience like right after right after your college season ended to going into the ECHL and playing a few games? It was cool. It was really cool. And, and uh, that first year that I played there in Elmira was uh, right after my, my college season was over. So it was actually the same year. And uh, it's just very, very different. Very, very different. The, the game is different. It's a lot more controlled, um, not as much chaos, uh, a lot more thinking rather than just kind of running around. Not that the college game is all running around. It's just a, it's a different game. Um, and got to go on a playoff run with them, which was really neat. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, again, the game of hockey, when you change levels, there's a lot of a learning experience that you have to go through, not only from what it looks like on the ice, but, um, just what life is like. You go from playing in college where everything is scripted. You got class at this time and, and your, your whole routine is, is kind of laid out for you to go into pro hockey and, now you practice at 10 a.m. and then you have the rest of the day to figure out for yourself and so it's just uh, a lot of things to learn and uh but getting getting a paycheck to play hockey doesn't matter what level you're at that's uh I'll take that any day of the week yeah absolutely it's like what was the deal like or what was the process to sign that deal like what do you have to go through like right after your college season ended uh yeah so once our team lost out and and we were done you just field some calls from some teams that are interested in bringing you in at the end of the year uh, it happens quite a bit where you know some some pro teams will will try and sign seniors um, at the end of the year to help them out with uh, with their playoff runs and stuff like that. So yeah, just fielded some calls and um, the team that I was with Elmira was literally only forty five minutes down the road from Cornell, so it was easy for me. I I, did, I could still go to class um, when I didn't have practice and and you know still be around and all that kind of stuff. So it was. Uh, um, a pretty easy decision to, to do that. And I'm glad that it did. It was a fun couple, couple months that I was able to spend there. Yeah. And throughout that time you were there, you also got a goal and three assists. So do you remember getting your first goal and like the emotions that you went through and like, how did, how did your goal go down? Yeah, it's uh, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was cool. Like scoring your first professional goal. I mean, it's a little bit different because you always imagine scoring your first professional goal in, in the Chicago stadium or, you know, Joe Louis arena, Madison square garden playing in the NHL and doing it for me in Dayton, Ohio in front of not that many fans uh, was a little bit different, but yeah, I remember it was kind of a fluky play where there was kind of a, a turnover right in the slot. And I just kind of threw it at the net. It, nothing really shot. It went right through the goalie's legs and, it's not the prettiest of goals to say the least, but they don't ask how they ask how many. Right. So, exactly. um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty cool feeling for sure. Um, almost like bittersweet just because you're not, you know, playing in the AHL or you're playing in the NHL, you're playing in the East coast league, but, 
um, still nonetheless getting a chance to play at that level was, was awesome. Yeah, a goal is a goal. It doesn't matter how it goes in. It just matters that it went in. So Yeah, exactly, right? That's, yeah. that's how it goes. <laughs> so then after you spent your t- some time in Elmira, you spent the – you spent two years in the CHL for the Texas Brahmas and then the, and then Rio Grande Valley killer bees. Like what was the CC or the, or the CHL like and playing for the two teams in Texas? You know, in terms of the actual hockey, it was pretty similar to the East coast league. And uh, you know, now those two leagues have merged. So the central league is no longer. And some of the teams from the, the central league actually matriculated to the East coast hockey league. So the actual like talent level and, and the play was, was pretty similar. It was a little bit different in the fact that the CHL teams weren't really affiliated with any AHL teams. So you kind of knew your lineup every day, whereas the coast guys are getting called up and down all the time. So it's just a lot of in and out. Um, which is it, for uh, for me, it was a little bit similar to college playing in the Central Hockey League because it was a little bit more of guys caring about the team and winning rather than being so worried about getting called up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the CHL like it was a gr- really good experience. I mean, I I've got the chance to play with some awesome players and guys that I still keep in touch with to this day. Um, I was living in Texas, so I mean that was pretty nice. You know, like especially we were three miles from the border of Mexico down in Rio Grande. So it was pretty much summer all year. Didn't, didn't really have any of the seasons, which was, which was kind of neat growing up in Chicago and living in upstate New York for so long. Um, but yeah, I mean, j- again, not the highest levels by any means, but still getting it, getting the chance to get a paycheck to play hockey uh, experience. I'll, I'll, I'll cherish forever. Yeah, for sure. So like what, what are some of the hardest things you had to learn about the program, about the pro game when you got, when you got into the pros and like, if you're going to be successful, like what do you have to learn to, what do you have to learn to do to be successful? You know, I think the biggest thing is you just got to control what you can control, especially in the professional hockey uh, game. And, and for me, like I, I signed with Elmira that next year. So I had a pretty good playoff run with them and, and signed with Elmira the next year in the coast and uh, you know, found out two weeks into training camp that I was cut. <laughs> they released me. Um, and it was because I was on a one-way contract, a uh, coast contract, and guys just kept getting sent down from the AHL. And so it was just one of those things where it was a numbers game and um, I didn't play well enough to really stand out. So they would keep me. So I got released and I went from being a hundred point college score to getting released from the East coast league in three months. <laughs> so you got to learn to control what you can control. And then going down to Texas, I got traded um, you know, two months into playing for the Texas Brahmas. So again, going from uh, what I would like to think is a halfway decent college career to getting cut and then traded in, in three months, it's just, uh, it's a shot. And so you just got to learn to control what you can control and, and have a good attitude and try to be positive about things as, as hard as it can be. Yeah. So like when you got cut, like, like, were you like down on yourself or like, would, or were you just like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working, keep working and hopefully I'll get another opportunity. And, and you did in Texas. Uh, for me, I probably honestly could have had a better attitude about it. Uh, I was down. Like it was, it was a shot. You, you have this dream of playing in the NHL and coming out of Cornell, you know, I didn't even get offered an AHL contract, let alone uh, an NHL contract, you know? So you, you, I, my whole life as a smaller player, I've always had to prove people wrong. And so when I didn't get those contracts, I really wanted to prove people wrong in the East coast league. And then all of a sudden, yeah, guys keep getting called down from the AHL and I, I find myself 
released. And, and so I was down. I, it was probably the, one of the toughest moments I had in, in my hockey career, trying to figure out what to do next. And it's part of the reason why I went to the central league is because there wasn't as much, I had a chance to go to another East coast league team, but I knew that it was a business and it was a numbers game. And if guys kept getting called up and down, I, I might've been one of those casualties again. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go down to Texas because I know I'm going to play there. I know where I'm going to be, all that kind of stuff. And, and I wish I would have persevered more. I wish I would have chose to stay in the East Coast League and, and tried to grind it out and um, still continue to try and live that dream as hard as it might have been to, to play at, at the NHL level. Um, I, I don't want to say I gave up, but I kind of gave up. And so it's, uh, if there's any regret I have in the game, that would be the one right there is to not, you know, I kind of gave up <laughs> that dream. Yeah, for sure. And just, it's, it's crazy to think like that, like the, the game's a business and like, there's a ton, there's tons of like AHL guys in the coast on AHL, NHL contracts. So it's just crazy to think about like the depth that teams have and how like you could have an AHL guy in the coast and then, in the coast and the central and like all going, there's going a lot down, of going really down the good line hockey players out there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really, really, really good hockey players out there, you know? So you have to find your way to be better than those people and you have to find a role and you got to be the best at that role, whatever that team is asking you to do. And uh, you know, there's, there's players that are, have had incredible NHL careers that have been less talented than players that had long ECHL careers but they persevered and, and they found a role and, and they played it to the best of their ability. And, and uh, um, I really admire those kinds of guys that have been able to stick it out at the highest level for so long based on pure buying in and playing a role and, and, and just gritting it out. Yeah, absolutely. So then after your pro career, you and, uh, you and your cousin, Jeff Lavecchio, I'll create a create a podcast you guys talk hockey have some incredible interviews and you guys give like coaching tips and and tips for the youth so like what made you guys create the podcast and like share the experiences that you guys have learned over the course of your careers to help to help try to get other players to to keep going up the ranks it's been fun. Like it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, we kind of started this, what, like two years ago now when podcasting was kind of a thing, but not really a big thing at, at the time. And yeah, I had just recently started this company called the hockey think tank, which is the name of our, our podcast. Um, that's all about just education about the game. You know, we want to provide as much education as we can for players and parents and coaches to, to, to just be a little bit more knowledgeable about the game so it can help them through their journey. And, you know, Jeff playing 10 years professionally, myself playing a couple years and, and uh, being a, an NCAA division one coach, you know, we feel like we had a lot to offer people and, and, you know, getting into the youth hockey game um, and, and even just recruiting at, uh, at Cornell, you know, one of the biggest things that I found was there's just a real need for coach and parent education. Uh, I think there's a lot of stress in youth hockey. People get stressed because, you know, they, they want to do what's best, but they might not know how to do it. And so we just kind of saw that and we said, Hey, why don't we start this podcast and just share our experiences and, and through our relationships of being in the game at the higher levels, we're able to bring on some, some pretty cool guests uh, to be able to share their experiences too. And, and uh, yeah, that's the, the genesis of it all was just, we wanted to give back to the game and uh, we've been having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, for sure. And all all your episodes are incredible and they're they're just awesome. So 
I'm a huge uh, The Hockey Thanks, Tank listener. <laughs> Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, no problem. So what what do you guys like to preach the most about, like, especially, like, parents and, and youth hockey and, like, the players as well? Like, what do you guys like to preach about the most? Or what, or what, what would you say you guys preach the most? You know what? That's a good question. Um, you, uh, control what you can control. I think that's one. That's a big one. Control what you can control. Um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I think so many people feel like it's a sprint and we have to be on the best team and all this kind of stuff at, at three years old. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. You even look at, at college hockey recruiting, the average age of a college commit is 18, you know, and in, in that's playing junior hockey. Um, the average age of a college freshman is 20 years old. So I think everybody feels like they have to have it figured out so quickly and just the way that everything is in youth hockey now, it's become so professionalized that people get very nervous at the youngest of ages when you don't really have to. It's a marathon. Just focus on getting better. Um, so it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Control what you can control. And I think the other thing, and this has been really interesting with a lot of the guests that we've been able to bring on, is that it ain't easy. Like if you wanna if you wanna accomplish really good things in in this sport or in in life in general, it comes with a lot of adversity. It comes with a lot of downs. So, you know, we talk to a lot of people and and we share our experiences uh, about how some of the tough times were necessary parts in our development process. And so it's very easy in those tough times, whether it's injuries or you're getting cut or you're not playing well or you're playing for a tough coach. You know, everybody goes through that. Everybody goes through that. Sidney Crosby goes through that. Connor McDavid goes through that, you know? So just understanding that the tough times are a necessary part of the process, I think that's one thing that not even Jeff and I like to talk about, but we talk about with all of our all of our guests as they kind of share their journeys to, to where they got to. It, it always came with some sense of uh, adversity. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is not easy. And just like, it seems like everyone has an adversity story that they go through and like, that's what makes them, makes them their, their player, their self, and like just development overall is just really helps them develop and think about other stuff besides the game and just trying to like focus in like what you can control, like you said, and just doing like all the right things that you're able to do with, within with what's in your control. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing too is like, you gotta, you can't forget that hockey is a game and it's supposed to be fun. And for me, like the players that I've played with that have gone on to do really great things in this sport and the coach or in the players that I've coached that have gone on to do these really big, great things in, in the sport of hockey. I think the one constant was they, they absolutely love to play. They loved to play the game. They wanted to get better. They were rink rats. And uh, I think that's the ultimate compliment you can give a player is, is they, they have a sincere passion for the game and they want to be at the rink. And so I think that that's one thing that, again, with how professionalized youth hockey has become, I mean, we kind of forget that. It's become this machine where everybody thinks they got to, you know, be a certain way or be a certain type of player, blah, 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 blah. You know, just have a passion for the game. Make sure you love it. Make sure it's fun for, for the parents and for the coaches. Make sure your kids are, are enjoying their experience and they don't put so much pressure on themselves because that just, it's, it's not good for them from a hockey standpoint. It's not good for the kids from a, you know, just a life mental health standpoint either. Yeah, exactly. Hockey, hockey is supposed to be fun and it's the best sport in the world. So yeah, there, there's there that. Go. 
So I have a few more questions for you before we let you go. Sure. So um, what's your, what's been your favorite hockey memory over the course of your playing career, whether it be youth all the way to your pros? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know what? I think if you ask most hockey players um, and, and maybe athletes of other sports, I don't know, but if you ask most hockey players what their favorite memories are, you know, they'll, they'll probably tell you it's, it's just being around the guys in the locker room. You know, that's what everybody says they miss the most. It's what I miss the most is, is being able to hang out with, with the guys. Um, in terms of actual hockey memories, I think most hockey players will tell you it's, it's the championships that you want, anything you've done as a team. I think it's, it's almost taboo for a hockey player to say anything individual about themselves. And, and I'd, I'd feel the same way. I think you know, I was able one year in, in youth hockey – my band a major year to win a national championship. Um, so that was a, just a fantastic memory that I have. Um, just, a, just an awesome group. And it was actually, it was funny. It was 20 years ago. And so we had, had like, uh, just with COVID, we had a, like a zoom reunion, uh, 20 year reunion. And, and I think one of the most interesting parts about it was every single player showed up to the zoom reunion and like literally awesome. all of us. And, and I think that goes to show you how special of a year, that it was and it was it was awesome catching up and then my freshman year when I was at Cornell we won a an ECAC championship too and uh and that was awesome too I mean getting the chance to to do that my first year um with that group like I said it was just such a good group of of guys um that's that's a memory that I'll take with me forever too yeah absolutely that's that's just awesome so my last question for you is probably the toughest one of the day what wins in a fight what wins in a fight a big red or a bronco uh, big red. <laughs> Absolutely a big red. <laughs> big no, red. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Those Broncos. You know, it's funny. I never got the chance to play Jeff um, when we were both in college. We were in college for three years at the same time, um, but never got the chance to play against them. So, um, but, you know, you talk about a big color. A big color is going to beat a Bronco any, any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, he, he said, uh, last I checked, colors aren't scary. <laughs> that's okay he can he can think that but he knows the truth <laughs> yeah for sure so uh, Topher thank you so much for coming on the show I really appreciate appreciate your time and want to wish you the best of luck with everything going forward and keep making those unreal podcasts this is a lot All of right. fun you too Jack thanks man appreciate you having me on yeah no problem